Hello and welcome to discussion today. I am Tina Jha. The Supreme Court on Wednesday sought a reply from the center on a PIL seeking gender and religion neutral uniform grounds of succession and inheritance for citizens across the country. A three-judge bench headed by Chief Justice S.A. Bobde issued notice to the ministries of Home Affairs, Law and Justice and also Women and Child Development on the plea filed by advocate Ashwini Kumar Upadhyay. The plea argued that succession and inheritance are crucial as they impact the right to life, liberty and dignity guaranteed under Article 21 of the Constitution. The petitioner contended that discriminatory grounds of succession and inheritance not only reinforce patriarchal, stereotypical notions, but also contravene principles of gender justice, gender equality and the dignity of women guarantee. This is the fourth PIL in the last three months on issues that constitute together the spectrum that are to be covered under the Uniform Civil Code. The earlier three PILs deal with issues of uniform adoption laws, uniform divorce, maintenance and alimony law and a uniform gender neutral minimum age for marriage. All of these petitions contend that even after 70 years of independence, there is discrimination on the basis of gender and religion and the court cannot remain a mute spectator to the denial of these basic rights. So what is the answer to enforce equality and discrimination on different grounds? Will a common civil code help remove these disparities? And if yes, is it time to move towards its implementation? That is what we will analyze with experts on this edition of discussion today. And joining me on the program for this are two very special guests. Let me introduce them to you first. We are joined by uh, Mr. P.K. Malhotra, former Secretary, Ministry of Law and Justice, Government of India, and Mr. Desh Ratan Nigam, his advocate, Supreme Court. Welcome, gentlemen, on this edition of discussion today. Mr. Nigam, so let me begin the program with you. And before we go on to cover the larger ambit of the Uniform Civil Court, let's first talk about the recent plea in the Supreme Court that talks about a gender and religion neutral law conferring succession and inheritance rights on the citizens. So help us understand what are the kind of disparities that currently exist in the country as far as succession and inheritance are concerned. Uh, Tina ji, let us be very clear that 80% of the citizens are already under some kind of a uniform civil code. There is a 20% population which is outside its ambit, which is governed by its own religious practices or, you know, different practices uh, of, of marriages and other personal laws. And therefore, uh, one has to understand that the religion is in the domain of spirituality, mode of prayers and rituals to connect to God. Whereas uh, the personal laws deal with the mundane aspects of life like marriages, adoption, divorce, custody of child, inheritance, succession. So it is in these fields we find discrimi discrimination, lot of discrimination against, you know, girl, child, women and many other things, you know, which you have seen, where in the fields of talaq, polygamy, which you see, which exists. So those discriminations, as you rightly said, are patriarchal in nature. Yes. This already existed in our society, but since uh, Hindu uh, laws came, like in the sense of Hindu Succession Act, Hindu Adoption Act, and Guardianship Act, Hindu Marriage Act. So, so many laws came which codified those laws. And among these laws, six Jains and others are also covered because that is how it has been defined out there. So such discrimination has to stop. 
so this is about gender justice this is about gender equality this is about uh, you know uh, preventing violation of human rights and also uh, you know preserving and prevent uh, you know pre preserving human dignity Absolutely. so nobody can say you know nobody should do politics about it instead people should come forward on their own and say we must be brought under one uniform civil code and to say that there cannot be because it is against democracy i do not agree because all those discriminations are actually against democracy they prevent equality as guaranteed in a constitution so i am for one you know advocate that there should be a uniform civil code to remove all kinds of discrimination gender discrimination gender injustice whether it is child or women laws or even for men also for that matter and therefore uh, it is time and time was always there if you look at the constituent assembly debates there was a need and discussion for a uniform civil code for entire india so that we have a strong united integrated india so and nation building is facilitated however there were certain sections from a minority community who opposed it and therefore there could not be a uniform civil code and there and only uh, subsequently uh, the constitution was enacted and subsequently uh, those laws as i told you about hindus and jains and sikhs came about and there was a uniform civil code i would say so far as these communities are concerned and the time has always been ripe because of politics it has not been done and time is still ripe and more ripe especially supreme court has been saying time and again whether it was shahbano's case which was you know uh, uh, turned by parliamentary law or sarla mudgal's case versus union of india there also supreme court said it and time and again supreme court is reminding government of india and the parliament to please enact a law a gender neutral law where such kind of practices can be uh, eliminated Mr Malhotra when we talk about a gender neutral a gender equal world the talk of uniform civil code comes into picture and this is something that we have been debating for long why have we still not been able to implement it till when will personal law practices prevail over fundamental rights the right to life the right to dignity tina let me make it uh, clear that uh, the issue which we are discussing today is not being discussed for the first time it has been discussed on number of occasions in the past also yes. there have been supreme court intervention in the past also number of pis have been filed in the past but the supreme court has declined to pass any specific order in all these pis on the ground that this particular subject fall within the legislative domain mr deshardan mentioned about the debates in the constituent assembly and i am entirely in agreement with him when he says because dr ambedkar himself has said well there is a need for a uniform civil code for this country but the time is not yet right therefore putting it in the fundamental right kind of thing it was put as a directive principle of state policy that is a direction to the state that as and when the time arises the government should come out with a legislation i again agree with mr deshratan that when the hindu laws were codified in 1955-56 on the basis of recommendation given by the bn rao committee and of course uh, after the constitution was adopted dr ambedkar also talked about it when you codified the hindu law that under which the six buddhist and the jain are also covered majority of the population is covered in that and there have been improvement in the law relating to succession inheritance marriage 
uh, ch child rights. All these rights are covered under the laws under the laws passed for the Hindus and which covered Sikh, Buddhist, and Jain. It is only the uh, Christians, Muslims, Parsis, and Jews who are not covered under this particular category. Now, coming back again to the situation why we need a uniform civil code, it's not, as I said, it is being discussed for the first time. The Supreme Court has from time to time said that, interestingly, the Constitution provides for it. Most of the political parties in their mandate have also said that we will come out with a civil code. Yes. But it has not been implemented so far. Even the present government, uh, the BJP, in the manifesto given in 2019, specifically said we will come out with a uniform civil code. If you look at the reply given to the parliament questions in the past during NDA time, the generally the reply given, as we see from the newspaper reports, is that there, there is no such proposal under consideration. But after the NDA government came into power, they have said that we are examining it. And for examining it, they have moved a proposal. They made a reference to the Law Commission of India. Law Commission of India, unfortunately, could not give a full-fledged report. Its term ended on 31st of August 2018. And instead of giving a report, it gave a, it gave a discussion paper where all these requirements have been laid down. Whatever judgments of the Supreme Court, Mr. Deshratan has also mentioned, they have also been discussed there. And ultimately, I think a time has come when the government should expedite and take action in this direction. I still remember that in 2019 also, there was a judgment of the Supreme Court that was with regard to Goa. Goa is the only state which is having a uniform civil court for its uh, 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 residents, for the re resident of Goa. And in this particular judgment of uh, 2019, which pertained to Goa, but Supreme Court made an observation, and I think that becomes relevant for all of us today because it is only an observation or a direction. It said that it is interesting to note that whereas the founders of the Constitution in Article 44 at, in Part 4, uh, dealing with the directive principle of state policy has hoped and expected that the state shall endeavor to secure the citizens a uniform civil court throughout the territory of India, till date, no action has been taken in this regard. Though Hindu law was codified in 1956, there has been no attempt to frame a uniform civil code applicable to the citizens of the country, despite exhaustion by this court in the case of Muhammad Arif Khan versus Shah Banu and Sarla Mudgil versus Union of India. And interestingly, Supreme Court again said, however, Goa is the shining example of an Indian state which has a uniform civil code applicable in the state. Yes. So I think taking cue from that, all, all all observations which are coming either from the Supreme or from the public or from the Raw Commission, they are all in favor of the uniform civil code. If a particular community, it is discriminating and the fundamental rights of the individuals, more particularly the weaker section of the society, women and children are affected, I think right time has come when the directive principles should be implemented and the uniform civil code should be brought into force. Absolutely. Maybe um, it is not necessary that you bring all the provision of the Uniform Civil Code in one go. Maybe you do it step by step. But I think we should move in that direction. 
And first step has to be taken by the government, by the legislature, and that should be done as expeditiously as possible. Okay, Mr. Malhotra, I'll come back to you on, you know, the challenges that we, we could, uh, that you foresee in the implementation of the UCC if it happens. But uh, Mr. Nigam, coming to you on uh, why we've not been able to adopt it so far. Our forefathers thought it, uh, the time was not ripe to implement the Uniform Civil Court. But over the decades, the need has been felt in order to end the discrimination. When in 2019, the NDA government led by the BJP scrapped Article 370, there was a lot of clamor that perhaps the Uniform Civil Code is going to be the next big step of this government. By far, we've not uh, seen any uh, you know, significant step from this government. But what is the current stand, the current proposal of the government as far as Uniform Civil Code is concerned? Can we expect any move before 2024? Tina ji, one thing is very clear that constituent assembly could not uh, you know uh, recommend for such a law because there was a politics of appeasement inside that and i am saying with all due regards to the constituent assembly and that politics of appeasement continued over a period of time and when uh, laws could be codified for hindus why could it not be codified for the rest of the communities as as defined yes. and therefore it brings a great question mark over the intentions of our some of our politicians and therefore, it is time when a particular political party uh, brings out uh, it in its manifesto. BJP has given in its manifesto that it is going to bring uniform civil code. And manifesto is a solemn promise to the people before going to the elections. And you have bound yourself to that promise to the people. And based on that, you have been voted to power. Exactly. So it, there is no other option left for, for the political parties in power today not to implement uniform civil code and therefore the politics instead of doing politics of appeasement by the other political parties the time is right that everybody should come on board and look at this gender discrimination injustice you know equality not being given children being exploited women being exploited for in the name of polygamy or you know triple talaq is still continuing despite supreme court and the parliamentary law so all those things are very important just because you uh, you know, uh, pan for a particular conservative opinion of a particular community, that does not mean the goals cannot be achieved. And therefore, it is high time that everybody should, you know, apply its mind to it, uh, an issue and bring bring it on table in the parliament so it can be discussed threadbare. And it is a very good suggestion by Mr. Malhotra that it can be done gradually, step by step rather than at one go. Yes. So that people can also be taken into confidence. However, that is a question of debate, whether it should be done uh, step by step or at one go. And I think the hopes are abound from this government because it's an absolute majority. It has uh, taken drastic steps that uh, the previous governments could not. Uh, coming to the implementation, the challenges that we could foresee, Mr. Malhotra, if at all the Uniform Civil Code is brought about. Uh, there is a concern, those who are against it, uh, their argument is that it infringes upon interferes with religious freedom in the country. And perhaps plurality of the Indian society, which is the beauty, could be, you know, uh, it, it could dent that. Do you agree? And if, if, if that is one concern, how can it be addressed? Well, uh, Tina, I appreciate the point which you have raised about plurality. The plural society is an identity of modern India. 
And uh, there is no doubt that the effort should be maintained to harmonize plurality uh, than the blanket uniformity, as Mr. J. Sachan also agreed with me, that it can be done gradually. I think the biggest question which is coming and why it is being opposed is that some communities feel that it will be an interference in their religion because the personal law is also part of the religion. Yes. I think there is a true school of thought on that. I personally feel religion has to be separated from personal law. Ultimately, it has to be done. Maybe there are certain practices which may be religious in nature, but they are part of the personal law. So if you segregate the between two, it's not that you are saying that you don't follow a particular religious practice. You follow the particular religious practice. But suppose under the law passed by the parliament, it is mandated the marriage must be registered. What should be the age of the marriage? What should be the law for the inheritance? How does it affect the religion of a particular person? So because of this misconception on the part of certain people of some religious community, or rather within that religious community of certain religious fundamentalists who claim that the personal law is also part of the religion is causing more problem than anything else. So for that purpose, I think if you educate the people rightly, and before they bringing this legislation, I must emphasize here, before bringing such a legislation, it is necessary that people must be educated about to what kind of law is being brought and how it is going to affect their life. And it will not be an interference into their religious practices. Unless you give this kind of advocacy and information to the people beforehand, then probably there may be a certain section of the society who may again oppose this particular legislation also to, uh, to, to say that such a law is not opposed. It is essential that this kind of advocacy must be done before the law is introduced in the parliament. Certainly. And also when you say that, you know, perhaps when the Uniform Civil Code comes in, it should not be implemented in totality and should be done gradually. What are the issues that you think will... Uh, uh, can be implemented easily as opposed to others that could face uh, major resistance? Well, the question is to me. Yes, Mr. Nagam. Yes, one thing is, you know, very clear that there, we need a secular laws in a secular country. We cannot be secular unless until there are uniform laws. And therefore, the basic principle is that secularism, as mentioned in the preamble of the Constitution, must be given effect in its true, true spirit and form. And second, uh, you know, issue is our constitution does not define what religion is. So there is a lot of confusion in the absence of a definition of religion that this is a part of religion and this is not a part of religion. And therefore, there has to be a uniform and universally accepted definition of religion so that you can segregate personal laws and religion so that people can also understand this is a part of religion and this is not a part of religion. And once this First, education begins. I think most of the challenges can be taken care of. See, the, one of the issues and important issues which can be initially dealt with is polygamy. I think nobody will uh, try to, you know, deny even today's youth, which is actually, which actually wants to, uh, you know, re recognize and achieve its true potential, does not believe in polygamy, whether it is Muslims or whether it is otherwise anywhere else. And therefore, that is one issue which has to be dealt with and uniformly has to be curbed. Second comes with respect to, you know, maintenance of the spouses. I'm saying spouses, not women or men. So that also, you know, that discrimination has to be done with. As Shabano's case tried to, you know, do it, but it was turned by the parliament. Mm -hmm. So that maintenance issue has also to be dealt with. 
Second is, you know, equal rights to, to the son and daughters. These are easy areas, you know, where you can bring in. Nobody wants to, you know, discriminate today between sons and daughters. And what about mother's property? That also has to be dealt with. About gifts, if I want to gift somebody, there should be no limit to it. Because unless until you, once you limit my ability to gift somebody, then there is no gift. Actually, you have curtailed my right to gifts. There are, you know, in, in, in uh, personal laws, there are certain, you know, things where the gifts is also limited. So these are easy areas which can be dealt with, and then you can come to those difficult areas. And I'm sure uh, the time is ripe. Even you, you talk to the youth on the streets, they are not interested in all these discriminatory laws. Their Absolutely. concepts are very clear. And they want to be, you know, able to realize their own potential in the fields of their talent and the skills that they have. And they want a free atmosphere. And all these gender discrimination, gender inequality, human rights violation, the violation of human dignity, you know, change the youth. They, they are unable to realize their own potential and unable to, you know, contribute to the fuller extent to nation building. But, you know, Mr. Nigam, in the society that we are living in, religion and faith are very, very sensitive issues. So in that aspect, what is the best way forward? so as to preserve the diversity, the plurality of the personal laws, and also to ensure that they do not contradict with the fundamental rights. Uh, Tina ji, as I already told you that we need to define what religion is. Communities define it, it in their own manner. And even our constitution does not define what religion is. Once that definition comes, and that definition must touch upon the spiritual aspect of uh, the religion. The other aspects are mundane, day-to-day -day life affairs of a person. Once that education starts, then all the challenges, as I said, would be overcome. And especially when the youth today wants to realize its own potential and to move forward, they are willing to support the efforts of the government. And that, and especially the spiritual leaders who are there in various religions, whether it is Muslims or whether it is Parsis, or others also included Christians also, they should be brought on board to tell them that the other affairs about personal laws is about marriage, inheritance, adoption. It has nothing to do with religion. It does with the behavior of a human being in day-to-day -day affairs of the life, not about spirituality and connecting to God. Once that distinction is brought about and explained to those people, I'm sure they will be able to understand the first challenge challenge actually comes from the clerics, the Maulanas, from, from various communities. And they must also realize that they are not here to promote gender injustice or inequality. They are here to promote the welfare of their own community itself. Once the people also realize that these laws are for their own welfare and promotion and progress, and ultimately benefits India towards making India strong and united and integrated, then the the, all those challenges can be taken care of. Yes, it will take time, no doubt. But sometimes, you know, the laws come first and the behavior changes afterwards. There are instances where the behavior changes and then the law comes. This is an instance that we have been waiting for more than 70 years. And behavioral changes have taken place a lot in various communities. And there is still a conservative section. They also have to understand, and that is in minuscule number. They are not in large number, although very vocal. So therefore, I think it is a ripe time to bring a law through a parliament and 
to implement the, those laws because India in the 21st century cannot see this gender injustice or gender inequality or inhumanity or you know uh, violence uh, or violative of your uh, human dignity. These are all fundamentals of promoting democracy. Certainly, so yes. all these factors will improve and strengthen democracy rather than weakening it as some people are you know suggesting. Absolutely. So if, if we are moving towards a gender-neutral society, all kinds of discrimination have to end. And both our panelists have suggested that for this, the time is ripe to implement the Uniform Civil Code. There will be certain challenges, but through education, all of these challenges, and of course, through behavioral changes, as Mr. Nigam has suggested, these can be overcome. So with that, I'll have to call it a wrap on this edition of Discussion today. Thank you to both my guests for joining us on the program. And sharing their, their thoughts with us on this very, very pertinent topic today. Uh, to our viewers, just in case you missed the television broadcast of our program, let me remind you once again that you can also watch it on YouTube and Twitter, and you can also get back to us with your feedback and suggestions. Thank you for your time.